The Productive Woman, Episode 255. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a question that's come up in conversations in the Productive Woman community, how our productivity is affected during certain key stages of a woman's life. You'll find more information and links to references I mentioned during the episode, all in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 255. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp and by the University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. BetterHelp is an online counseling service and the Productive Woman listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code TPW. Just visit betterhelp.com TPW where you'll fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get you matched with a counselor suited to your specific preferences. That's betterhelp.com slash TPW. And I'll share a little more about BetterHelp later on in the episode. But right now I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education. They provide learning pathways for those who are seeking career advancement or just personal enrichment through a wide range of educational opportunities, including certificate and specialized studies programs, short courses, and strategic partnerships. They offer 100% online courses that are convenient and flexible, and they offer a really immersive online classroom experience, even allowing for collaboration with your peers. UCI Continuing Education can help you gain an edge in your current career, make a career transition, or simply help you become more knowledgeable in an area you have an interest in. They provide you with the flexibility to stay on top of your game in your current role while preparing to level up. And open enrollment means there are no applications to complete. You just log in and sign up. You can pay for a single course or enroll in an entire certificate program. You have full control over your academic plan. As we're recording this, as you're listening to this, uh, the fall quarter is coming up and registration is open. So visit ce.uci.edu slash tpw and enter tpw for 15% off one course. Let me say that again. It's ce.uci.edu slash tpw and enter that TPW code to get 15% off one course. This offer is valid only until December 31st, 2019. So if you're listening past that, sorry, but maybe check out to see what else they may be offering at this time. All right, let's get into the topic for this episode. There have been conversations in the Productive Woman community, in the Facebook group, and honestly, I've gotten emails about some of these things as well, about struggles with being productive at certain stages of life. And specifically, these conversations have built up around uh, what's going on in our life during perimenopause, 
during pregnancy and during that early postpartum period. So I wanted to talk about this a little bit. And I want to start with a couple of caveats, I guess. Uh, first of all, guys, you may may not find this as interesting. Uh, but on the other hand, if you have women in your life, either that you work with or who are part of your personal life, there's some information here that may be useful to you to help you understand and be more supportive for of the women in your life during these certain stages of life. Um, the other thing I would say is that I am not a doctor. I am not a midwife. I, you know, I'm a lawyer and a wife and mom. I have been pregnant. I have gone through postpartum and I have been through menopause. Uh, so I have experience with all of these things. And I did actually, before I went to law school for a few years, I taught childbirth classes and did a lot of studying, both for my own personal education and also for my students about the effects of, of pregnancy and some of those sorts of things. But I'm not a doctor. I can't give medical advice. And I do encourage you um, to consult with your healthcare provider uh, if you're going through some of the things that we may be talking about during this episode. So what you're going to hear is based partly on my own experience, partly on some research that I did looking into uh, some of the factual kinds of things, the information that I think is useful to all of us as we go through these stages of life. And so we're going to talk about menopause, what it is and how it affects our productivity and some of the things that we can do to maybe uh, increase our productivity during that stage of life. We're going to talk a little bit about pregnancy and postpartum with those same kinds of things, some of the effects, physiological and psychological effects that we may experience during those stages of our life, how they might affect our productivity and some things we can do to stay more productive during those stages of life. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going with this. Um, And I hope you find it interesting. Obviously, again, not a doctor, not going way deep in depth on any of these things, but just wanted to kind of hit some of the highlights because these topics have come up in the conversations recently, and I thought it was worth looking into. So the first one that I'm starting with, not for any reason other than that's what I wrote first in my outline, is the the stage of menopause. And um, from the research that I uh, came across, the median age for experiencing menopause is 51 years and four months old. And we'll talk a little bit about what uh, happens during that stage of time. One article that was out there said that during menopause, a woman's body slowly produces less of the hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And this often happens between the ages of 45 and 55 years old. So there's a wide span of time when you may start experiencing the symptoms of menopause. Uh, What I thought was interesting, and I hadn't really thought about this before I uh, did some of this research is when we talk about it, we talk about going through menopause. But apparently, it's actually more correct to say we reach menopause. Um, In other words, menopause is a moment in time. And it's defined by that moment when a woman has gone 12 months without having a period. So it's more correct to say we reach menopause. 
It is that moment in time that can be defined. But the three to four years or so surrounding that moment in time are called perimenopause. And most of the symptoms that we hear about that uh, those of us who've, who've gone through this stage of life have experienced and we've, you know, we've heard about it, most of those symptoms actually are perimenopausal symptoms rather than menopausal symptoms. And so what are some of those symptoms? What are some of the effects that we go through during that phase of perimenopause, around that moment in time when we can say we have reached menopause? The first sign, according to all the research that I read, is a change in the pattern of our periods. So you may have been very regular all your life, and suddenly you're not anymore. They're coming more frequently, they're spaced out more, they're heavier, they're they're just different. And that's the first sign that a lot of women experience when they hit that phase of perimenopause. The, the one we hear a lot of discussion about, uh, a very common symptom of that stage of life or, or physiological effect, I guess, are what are called hot flashes in the United States and night sweats. So it's like our internal thermostat has just gone nuts. Uh, another symptom or another physiological effect during this period of time is sleep disturbances. And some of that has to do with, you know, some of the other symptoms we're experiencing. So one article that I read talking about hormones and how they affect us, uh, specifically during this period of time, had this to say about it. it. said, the main sign of the menopause starting is often noticed as a change in menstrual period patterns, which can last up to four years, but in some women can be much longer. This article says around 80% of women suffer from some additional menopausal symptoms, although some women have few symptoms apart from the ending of menstruation. The most common menopausal system, this, this article says, are hot flushes, um, this article was uh, written in the UK, uh, and these are termed hot flashes in the United States and night sweats. These happen most commonly within the first year after the last period, although they can occur earlier. If severe, these can cause weakness and loss of energy, particularly night sweats, which may disturb normal sleeping patterns. And this, I thought, was important for us to keep in mind. If, if you're going through this right now, this article says their severity tends to decrease with time. So those are uh, some of the symptoms, the physiological, the physical effects that we feel during this period of time. Well, what's causing them? And it, everything I read said it's hormonal changes, uh, hormones and, and I'm, I'm going to quote this article because I thought this was, it said it kind of well. And again, since I'm not a doctor, I'm relying on uh, medical experts to describe all of this to us and explain what's going on. This particular article, and again, I'm, I'm going to have uh, links to all these articles in the show notes, and I'd encourage you to check some of them out because you can get a lot more information from those. So this article came from Northwestern Medical School. And this is what it said about hormones. Hormones are the messengers in the body that travel through the bloodstream to start, stop, speed up, or slow down your physical and chemical functions and processes all across all body systems. Your ovaries are the source of estrogen and progesterone, the two key hormones that control the reproductive system, including the menstrual cycle and fertility in women. 
uh, and it talks a little more about it. It says you're born with all the eggs you'll ever have. The eggs are in the follicles, which are found in the ovaries. And during menopause, the number of ovarian follicles declines and the ovaries become less responsive to the other two hormones involved in reproduction. And I'm not even going to try to say what those are. Um, As your ovaries age and release fewer hormones, these other two hormones, FSH and LH, can no longer perform their usual functions to regulate your estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. These inevitable changes in your hormones and natural decline of estrogen levels during menopause can significantly affect your health for years to come. So that's why this is such a big deal that it's uh, this stage of life Things are going on as our bodies change and stop producing as much of certain hormones. Others are not doing their job. It has significant effects, as this article says, on our health, our physical health. And that is going to impact our productivity, our ability to get things done. If we're not sleeping well, uh, it's harder to have the energy to do the things we need to do. That's just one example. In addition to these physiological effects of menopause and perimenopause, there are psychological effects. Um, Mood swings, depression, and anxiety attacks are among those commonly cited in the articles that I read. And there are lots of emotions you go through during this period of time. And I can speak from my experience at times, not not all the time, but at times during this period of time, as I re- knew what was going on in my body, I, I dealt with a, a kind of a, a grief because I was losing a capacity, that is the, the ability to, to bear children, that had been important to me over the course of my life. We have five children, uh, all of which I personally gave birth to. That was a significant part of my life prior to this stage. And a significant part of my identity was pregnancy, giving birth, and raising children. And so going through this stage of life where you realize you're no longer going to be able to do that, uh, it has a, an effect on how you feel. And there's this sort of a a, a, a mild level of grief of losing that capacity and the, and the end of that season of your life. And it's something that so much of your life, your energy and your attention has been focused on. So those kinds of things definitely have an impact on you during this stage of life. According to some of the researchers, part of what we're experiencing in terms of the mood swings, um, the common depression that happens during that period of time or anxiety attacks, part of that is just because you're going through a change of your of uh, uh, into a new stage of life. So one stage of your life, your childbearing years is ending and a new stage is beginning that has some unfamiliar elements to it. And so that can contribute to these the depression, anxiety, those sorts of things. But some of that is rooted in the physiological processes and causes that happen during this time. Uh, another article talking about 
menopause and and the functions, the physiologic functions of that period of time, had this to say. It says depression, anxiety, and panic attacks may also occur, but it's not clear whether these are related to life changes that are also likely to happen around the same time in a woman's life, such as empty nest syndrome when children leave home, or your lifestyle changes significantly. Some women, the article says, may experience problems with incontinence and other kinds of physical problems that are contributing to the psychological or emotional ups and downs of that period of time. And uh, this article goes on to say, was it the same one? No, this was an article on WebMD that I thought was really interesting. We think about hormones as the chemicals that drive our reproductive system. But this article says there are receptors for both estrogen and progesterone throughout the body. And when these hormone levels begin to decline, as they do in the time leading up to menopause, every system that has these hormone receptors registers the change and that includes your brain. This article says that this results in a disruption in an entire chain of biochemical activity, which in turn affects the production of mood-regulating chemicals, including serotonin and endorphins. So we've talked about that in the past, about the effects of serotonin and endorphins on our mood and our um, our state of mind. And as this article said, the end result of this disruption in the chain of biochemical activity in our brain is mood swings, depression, surprising highs, followed by equally unexpected lows, And none of it seems to make any sense. And the article quotes a Dr. Darlene Lockwood, who, at least at the time the article was written, was an assistant professor at the University of California in San Francisco. And she said, your ovaries are failing and trying to keep up estrogen production. Some days they overshoot it. Other days they can't uh, produce enough. And as the article says, each time your hormones do a little dance, your brain chemistry has to compensate. And, wh- and so it can result in all sorts of crazy things. You, you suddenly feel angry beyond uh, what seems reasonable for what you've just experienced, or you feel sad uh, more than seems reasonable. And you kind of go through this time of what, you know, what's going on? Why am I reacting this way? So this stage of life, because of what's going on in our bodies, has significant physiological and psychological effects on us. And those symptoms that result that we've talked about can have a big impact on our productivity. So we talked about sleep disturbances. One resource said that, and this was from Harvard Medical School, that about 40% of perimenopausal women have sleep problems. And you know, some of that has to do with our sleep cycles changing as we age. Uh, insomnia is common among uh, both men and women as they age. But nevertheless, about 40% of us, as we go through this stage of life, are having sleep problems. We're having, as we've talked about, mood systems. This Harvard article says probably anywhere be- between, they, they estimate 10 to 20% of women experience mood symptoms. And so, menopause-related hormone changes may cause all sorts of mood things. Now, the article says that may not explain why women 
maybe be, become more anxious or irritable during this period of time. But it, the, the doctors that wrote this article acknowledged that the unpredictability of perimenopause can be stressful and provoke some episodes of irritability. So that's going on during that period of time because, you know, all, all of a sudden you have this hot flash and you're uncomfortable, you know, beyond what we are able to describe. And we never know when that's going to come. We don't know when any of these symptoms are going to come. And that can lead to more irritability and frustration and all those sorts of things. And it can affect us at work. There was a great article on how menopause affects women at work. And I, I commend that article to you. Uh, again, I'll have a link in the show notes. I encourage you to check it out. Uh, because many women have headaches and things like that during that period of time. And one of the big issues that the Harvard article talked about and several other articles discussed is that many women complain of short-term memory problems and difficulty in staying focused and concentrating during that perimenopausal time. And there's a lot of research being done about the effects of the hormone changes on that, but it's a big issue and it can cause us to struggle to get our work done if we're, um, you know, having sort of menopause brain. We'll talk later about pregnancy brain. Well, a lot of women experience during that perimenopausal time, uh, trouble remembering things or having a hard time focusing. That's something that I really noticed personally, uh, having to work much harder to be able to concentrate and stay focused on work, being much more easily distracted during that period of time. And all of these physiological and psychological impacts affect our ability to get our work done. If we're not remembering things, if we're physically uncomfortable, if we're distracted because of all this, uh, the things going on with our bodies and in our life during that time, it makes it harder to be productive and get our things done. So what can we do about it? There are a couple of things. And the one article I mentioned on how menopause affects women at work has a great list of things that can be done in the workplace to make it more functional for women during this stage of life. I'll mention a couple of them here in a minute, but that's, it's a really good article to check out. So what are some of the things that we can do if perimenopausal symptoms are interfering with our ability to be as productive as we want to do. Well, one thing that I saw over and over again, and this has been my experience as well, uh, that I wish that I had been able to recognize this earlier on, is that it's temporary. Keep that in mind when you're going through these symptoms. It is temporary. It, you are going to feel better physically, psychologically, emotionally, in every way, you will feel better at some point after you've actually reached menopause, gotten past that transition time, you suddenly will feel better in, in all those ways. And sometimes just knowing that that's the case, that this is, this is temporary, it's going to get better, that can make a huge difference. The second thing is to, to uh, take some measures to address your symptoms, depending on what they are. Some women really, really struggle uh, with some of these things. Others, it's milder and more intermittent. But whatever it is for you, that's your experience. And so 
accept it and find ways to deal with the symptoms. So since so many women go through hot flashes, this is a great stage of life to just remember to dress in layers. Uh, I that's when that stage of life was when I got in the habit of, of wearing to my law office, you know, sleeveless blouses with a sweater, uh, so that you can take the sweater off when you're suddenly, you know, overheating and put it back on when that has passed. Keep a fan nearby in your workspace or where by your bed if you have night sweats, that sort of thing. I recognize that these are real symptoms. These are real physical experiences that you're having and do what's necessary to make yourself more comfortable. If you're experiencing sleep disturbances, try to arrange your schedule to accommodate a nap in the afternoon if you need it to help you get the rest that you need during this period of time. Drink plenty of water. That's highly encouraged because again, that helps our body regulate its temperature among other, there are lots of reasons why we should all be drinking more water, but whatever symptoms you're experiencing, take some steps to address those physical symptoms. Third thing you can do is use all your best productivity tools to manage the impact of that brain fog if you're experiencing that. A lot of women do. So all the things we talk about that we've been talking about for the last five years on this podcast that you hear from other productivity sources, Put those into effect, uh, put them to good use. If you are suffering from that brain fog and those memory lapses and that, th those sorts of things, write things down. This might be a great time to start or expand your use of a bullet journal or just a notebook that you keep handy, uh, not only as a place to keep lists, make notes of things you need to remember, but also maybe to journal about your experiences and your emotions during this period of time, processing those feelings, acknowledging the, the emotions that you're going through and, and maybe trying to identify what's triggering them and allowing yourself to feel it and process those emotions can make a big difference in how you feel as you go through this time of your life. There were several articles that I've mentioned already and others that I haven't mentioned, but that I will link in the show notes that talk about the impact of menopause on the workplace. Uh, one article said uh, probably 20% of the workforce uh, potentially is at work without enough sleep, sweating to death at their desks with intermittent headaches, no energy and an achy body. You know, all those symptoms that we've talked about uh, that women may be going through uh, as part of this perimenopausal time, if you're at work, again, this, this article says probably 20% of the people at work are women going through perimenopause, experiencing these, these symptoms, and um, therefore having a hard time staying as productive as they want to be at work. And this is the article I mentioned earlier, the one that uh, suggests ways to make the workplace more functional for women during perimenopause. So if you're in management or running your own business that employs others, or if you are a woman in the workplace who wants to be proactive and get it, you know, make things better for yourself and others, uh, there are a number of suggestions in the article, including, uh, first of all, educate management 
Uh, simple things, they su- the article suggests, like allowing an employee to control the thermostat instead of dis- dismissing her complaints about the temperature. Uh, provide for better ventilation in the workplace. You know, let people have fans at their desk and make sure there's cold water available. Um, another suggestion is to provide support for these women as you do for other people with medical conditions or, or going through, you know, s- situations like this. Make sure benefits programs address the needs of perimenopausal women, just like strides have been made to address the needs of pregnant women or breastfeeding women. So, uh, you know, many businesses these days, larger businesses in particular, provide wellness benefits that address other needs, but maybe overlook those uh, perimenopausal symptoms and issues. So try to advocate for including those sorts of things. And flexibility in hours and sick days to accommodate maybe the need to come into work a little later when sleep has been interrupted at night by night sweats or something like that. So those are a few of the things that are thrown out by this article and other resources uh, to make the workplace a better place. You know, if you're home, you can do certain things to make yourself more comfortable. You may not have as much ability to control that in the workplace. And and so I think it's time, you know, this is something we don't talk about a lot. I had to really think about this because I felt a little uncomfortable talking about menopause and and the the kinds of symptoms and effects that we go through. But I think we need to talk about these things. Uh, Talk with other women who are going through it or who have been through it, other women in your life that you know that you can maybe get advice from them on how to thrive during this time and not just endure it. But remembering that it's temporary, it will end at some point. So those are some thoughts with respect to uh, perimenopause. Another time when our hormones uh, affect us physiologically and psychologically and have an impact on our productivity is during pregnancy. Uh, those those of you who've been pregnant, you know some of the physiological effects, everything from just being off balance as you get bigger, frequent urination, heartburn, nausea or vomiting, fatigue, sleep disturbances again, back pain, swelling of your feet and legs, all those kinds of things are physiological effects of that stage of life when you are pregnant. And obviously it has impacts on our productivity because, you know, the fatigue that goes along with this affects our ability to get things done, as does just the physical discomfort. Uh, pregnancy has some psychological or emotional f- effects as well. And one of the ones you hear about the most often, I mentioned it a, a little earlier, talking about a similar impact during menopause. But during pregnancy, there's something we refer to as pregnancy brain. I've also heard it called momnesia. And it's defined as, in in one article, as the feeling of forgetfulness, inattention, and mental fogginess that sometimes accompanies pregnancy. A lot of us have experienced that. Uh, One article said that 82% of women surveyed, and this was a report 
published in the Australian Journal of Advanced Nursing, and they found that 82% of the women who were surveyed reported some type of absent-mindedness or inability to concentrate during pregnancy. Of those women, the article said 68% reported general changes in recall or memory, 54% had problems concentrating or paying attention, and 52% experienced absent-mindedness. That's obviously going to have an impact on our productivity in the sense of being able to get things done. If you're not remembering, if you're having a hard time focusing, it's hard to get that deep work done. If you're not remembering things, you're going to be backtracking and, you know, running errands and forgetting something and having to go out again. All those sorts of things get can result from this pregnancy brain, this experience that we have. Well, where does that come from? And again, just like we talked about with respect to menopause, pregnancy is a time of great hormonal change. Abby Macbeth, PhD, she was a former postdoctoral fellow at the National Institute of Mental Health. She has been quoted as saying, during pregnancy, your levels of progesterone and estrogen shoot up and both are linked to memory. Remember, we talked about both of those hormones being affected in the changes in those during, uh, during menopause, during perimenopause. Well, they change during pregnancy as well. But interestingly, uh, Dr. Macbeth said, or no, this was another doctor quoted in the same article who said, these hormones also cause the growth of new brain circuits that help mothers focus on the baby when she's born. Uh, This was a, a doctor who's a neuropsychiatrist and the author of The Female Brain, and it's a female doctor that wrote this. In other words, during this period of time, your brain is laying the groundwork for helping you tune in to, for instance, your newborn's cries. We uh, Moms will tell you, we can tell our baby's cry we can distinguish it from somebody else's. And some of this, the, the researchers feel like that has to do with these hormonal changes that happen during pregnancy, that new circuits are being run. Another article talks about that very fact. Research has shown that your brain does function differently during pregnancy. It increases activity in the side associated with emotional skills, which helps, we think, to ensure that you're neurologically attuned to your baby's emotions at birth, so you bond more easily. Believe it or not, your brain cell volume actually decreases during the third trimester of pregnancy, um, which may help explain some of this, you know, you can't remember what you just read or what you just heard. But again, that's a temporary change. It gets back to normal a few months after delivery. So we've got these changes that are going on. We're suffering this pregnancy brain or momnesia. What's causing it? Again, just like during um, perimenopause, it's hormonal changes that's causing a lot of it. But there are also things that make us maybe more absent-minded, more forgetful. Thoughts about the pregnancy, about the baby, about our life changing, maybe financial worries. Those are going to impact us. We're going to be distracted by those sorts of things. The lack of sleep that comes from worrying, from the physical discomfort, and just the stress of going on that we're experiencing during this period of time. You have more going on in your life. You're doing 
doing all the stuff you were doing before, and you're preparing to add a new person to your household. You've got doctor appointments, you've got the house you're preparing, uh, you know, dealing maybe if you have younger children, or older children already, preparing them for the changes that are going to come. So it's not surprising that during pregnancy, we are dealing with this pregnancy brain, and what happens to us during that. So what can we do about it? Because obviously, it's going to affect our productivity, our ability to get things done. And, and it can if, if it goes too far, affect our quality of life. What can we do about it to stay productive in all the senses that we talk about and on this podcast, maybe even enjoy this stage of our life? Number one, I would say is take care of yourself. Get the rest that you need. Uh, Take breaks when you need them. Make sure that you try your best to maintain excellent nutrition. that can affect the symptoms, physical and emotional, that you're experiencing. For instance, getting plenty of protein, small amounts regularly, will help with the nausea, and it's what your ba- your body uses to build the baby. Some research I read uh, recommends eating uh, choline-rich foods uh, that they may help boost both your and your baby's brain function, uh, as well as omega-3s from things like uh, pregnancy-safe fish like salmon. So your nutrition, your sleep, getting some exercise, which also will help you sleep better. One, one article said that a study by the Institute for Memory Impairments and Neurobiological Disorders at the University of California, Irvine, uh, found that memory is sharpest after a workout. So if you, and that if you exercise regularly, the cognitive benefits can be ongoing. So getting some kind of movement into your life during pregnancy can help with that. Certainly then also process your worries. So whatever, if you worries are keeping you awake, worries about what life is going to be like, um, worries, financial worries, whatever it may be, if those are keeping you awake or keeping you stressed, um, process those, do some journaling, have chats with a friend, or even find a coach or a therapist to help you. That's part of taking care of yourself all the time, but certainly during pregnancy. Uh, Ask for help if you need it with the things that are going on around you. If you're tired, if you're achy, if you're sad, whatever though you may be experiencing during this time, taking care of yourself includes asking for help when you need it. And of course, giving yourself grace, remembering that this is normal and it is temporary. Try to take a breath, you know, stress exacerbates the symptoms of, of pregnancy and, and all of these things. And the only thing worse than feeling bad is feeling bad about feeling bad. You shouldn't be beating yourself up if it seems like other women you know just are thriving during pregnancy and you're struggling to, to feel be- better and to get the things done that you need to do. Your experience is your experience, and whatever it is, is okay. Give yourself grace and remember that pregnancy comes to an end. (laughs) You have a baby, and you go into that next stage of your life feeling with the opportunity to feel better as the symptoms pass. 
So taking care of yourself is an important part of it. Number two would be to use your productivity tools to compensate for that brain fog and that forgetfulness for the the pregnancy brain or the momnesia. As we talked about before, write things down, set alarms and alerts so that if you get distracted, you'll get a reminder that, hey, you've got a doctor appointment or got to pick up a child or I've got a meeting to go to, whatever it is, set alarms and alerts on your phone, on a clock, on your smartwatch if you use one, Um, but find ways to uh, remind yourself of the things you need to do. Use those tools that you have developed for being productive to manage your momnesia during this period of time. And routines and consistent habits can make a huge difference here. So for instance, if you find yourself at this, during this stage of your life, misplacing items that like keys or sunglasses or something, then designate a home for them where you always leave them. So they'll be there when you need them. Develop that habit of when you come in, you always put them in the same place so that you, you don't have to remember the new place that you put them. So those are just some tools to think about in dealing with the physiological and the psychological impacts of pregnancy to be more productive and more at peace during that stage of life. And then finally, just a couple of things I wanted to say about the postpartum period. So after you've had the baby, there are still some impacts, some things you'll be going through that will have an impact on your productivity. So there are still physiological effects that you experience in that immediate postpartum period. Your body is still recovering from childbirth. No matter how you gave birth, um, your body has to get back into its uh, unpregnant state. And so you may be having some discomfort. Uh, You may be having all sorts of things going on. There are lots of hormonal changes that happen very um, drastically after childbirth that will have an impact on your ability to be as productive as you expected to be. You don't just give birth and then just dive right back into life before being pregnant. Things are different. If you're breastfeeding, you're, you're going to have other bodily adjustments at plus the energy that you're expending, your body is expending to produce food for your child and that disrupted sleep that comes with getting up in the night when you're breastfeeding, you're the one who's going to be feeding that baby at, you know, in the middle of the night. Now, personally, I like those nighttime feedings because that was maybe the only time when it was just me and the baby and I could just kind of be at have a peaceful time with them, but still you lose sleep over it. There are also psychological and emotional effects that occur after pregnancy. And so thinking about those things, you know, some of them have, uh, some women go through postpartum depression and, or, of one degree or another. And so being aware of that, understanding that those hormonal changes that happen during that immediate postpartum time are going to have an effect on you. Uh, One uh, study that took place in 2010 found that in the first few months after giving birth, human females show changes in several key brain regions. Specifically, the article says, they often exhibit increased volume in the hypothalamus, striatum, and amygdala, 
areas essential for emotional regulation and parental motivation, as well as in regions governing decision-making and protective instincts. So there are actual changes going on in your body and in your brain during that time postpartum. And I encourage you to be aware of that. Those can affect our productivity. The distraction of the physical discomforts and the emotional disruptions you're experiencing, continued fatigue as you're losing sleep, and the brain fog that can come with that, um, with that loss of sleep and, and that distraction. So the, the solutions for this or ways of addressing it, all the things we've already discussed, taking care of yourself physically and emotionally, giving yourself the time, the space, and the grace that you need in order to let your body and your brain get back to where they need to be for this new stage in, in your life of being a mother. So those are some thoughts that I had based on my experiences, based on the research that I did for the ways our productivity can be affected during some key stages of a woman's life, perimenopause, pregnancy, and postpartum. Again, not this is not a treatise. I haven't covered everything, but there are certainly some things I hope that will help you to think about. I would love to know your thoughts on this. So are you experiencing any, any of these life stages right now? What challenges are you facing or, and what's working for you? If you've already been through one of these stages uh, and experienced productivity challenges during them, what helped you, uh, whether physically or emotionally, during that stage? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think this is a, a, a conversation that we will continue to have in the Productive Woman community, and I'd love your take on it. You can share your questions, your thoughts, your ideas about this topic in the comments section of the show notes which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 255. You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page. Uh, but the best place maybe would be if you are a woman who listens to this show and you're part of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's a great place for these conversations. If you haven't already joined us there, any woman who listens to this podcast is welcome to be a part of that community. It's a closed group. So you have to ask to be uh, to to join. Uh, Be sure that you answer the two or three simple questions there. So I can confirm you really are a woman who's uh, who who wants to be part of this community and not, you know, a lurker or somebody who's sort of wanting to spam us because that's not what this group is about. Uh, So join us there, you can go to the productivewoman.com slash group, and you'll find more there. Uh, I think that's it about that. I'd love to hear from you on this. Before we go, a quick word about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, Is there something, whether it's pregnancy or menopause or postpartum, uh, you know, issues, or just anything in your life that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, we can all use a little help sometimes. And so sometimes talking with a friend can make a difference or a coach maybe 
can make a huge difference for a lot of us, but sometimes we need something a little more than that. And BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. It's not a crisis line, but a professional counseling service that connects you with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. It is so convenient. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus you can chat and text with your therapist. And anything you share is confidential. So that's encouraging. And that's, you know, helps you to be more honest and get the feedback that you need. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. They uh, have licensed professional counselors in all 50 states in the United States, and they're available worldwide. They have counselors who are specialized in depression and stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger management, self-esteem, family conflicts, and so much more. It is secure, convenient, and professional. And best of all, it's a truly affordable option. And the Productive Woman listeners get 10% off your first month if you use the discount code TPW. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com TPW. You'll fill out a simple questionnaire to help them assess what your needs are and get you matched up with a counselor that's suited to your specific preferences. That's betterhelp.com TPW. And remember, if your goals for this year include advancing in your career or simply taking a course or two for personal enrichment, be sure to check out our returning sponsor, University of California, Irvine's Division of Continuing Education. As I mentioned earlier, the fall quarter is coming up. Registration is open. So visit ce.uci.edu slash tpw and enter TPW for 15% off one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash TPW and enter the the code TPW to get 15% off one course. And I know these, there's a lot of uh, URLs here. I'll have links to this in the show notes. So if you go, just go to the show notes for this episode, you'll find all the information about our sponsors as well. And thank you so much to BetterHelp and UCI Division of Continuing Education for supporting the Productive Woman podcast. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I am so grateful, as always, to you for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. 